1: from baseball's top
0: personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark mcguire is with us here. You never know what
2: stories you're going to hear. we to think about here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend.
0: Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered. Today, we got a couple pitchers, an ex-pitcher, and a skipper. It's Frankie Montas, Zach Logue, Fran Reardon, manager of the Aviators, and our old buddy, Jerry Blevins. But we'll start... With the big boy, Frankie Montas, not too many people better than him in the American League right now. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he is the man that uh, you love to watch pitch every five days as he absolutely brings it for your Oakland Athletics. Frankie Montas is with us here on A's Cast Live. How are you?
3: I'm good. How are you?
0: Uh, I'm doing well. And, you know, just watching you pitch recently, I think you got to be feeling great because... The other day, 12 strikeouts, but just in command of the body, of the mind, you can really see right now where you are in your career, and you got to be feeling great.
3: Uh, I feel pretty good. First of all, just want well, to thank God, you know, just for, for keeping me healthy, you know. And um, I'm just trying to do my job, man. I'm just trying to go out there every five days and, and do my best.
0: I remember doing an interview with you, and I don't know if you remember, but it was was the Bay Bridge Series, so it was years ago. It was in San Francisco. You just made the team, right? You just had a baby. You remember this? And I I I remember going, like, the world's your oyster right now. To think where you were then, and that's when you're really kind of learning the split, to where you are now. We'll go on the field, off the field. We'll start on the field. How are you now different than that guy that I had that interview with in San Francisco?
3: Well, I feel like uh, it's just like I got more experience. Like with the years, you know, I have played with really good pitchers that the, have the, been in Oakland in the past, you know. And uh, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can every year, you know, just just trying to um, improve whatever whatever I got to do, you know. It, maybe fastball command, uh, uh, my splitter, just, just trying to get a new pitch, whatever I got to do to – to improve my pitching, I'm, I'm always willing to go.
0: It always, by the way, it always drives me nuts when they take you out. It drives <laughs> me nuts. I go, I go, I go, I go, and I always go, Frankie Montas is built like a middle linebacker in the NFL. He's not some slim kid who you got to worry about. Oh, my God, Frankie's at 80 pitches. You're built to go 120, 130. Do you ever just go, man, leave me out here?
3: Man, I'm, I'm always cool with, with, with whatever, you know, I mean – I'm pretty open about it. If I'm if I'm feeling like I I can keep going, like they know it, cause I let them know. I was like, hey, I'm good to go, you know. If I feel good with uh um, let's say whatever on the um, seventh inning with almost 100 pitches, and I tell them, hey, give me one more, it's because I feel good and I'm ready to go out there and uh, um, just keep doing 100 percent. Just 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 keep on rolling.
0: Yeah, I will always say Frankie Montas is not a fragile butterfly. No. Nah, this man. guy is ready to, and I'm always like looking down at the bullpen, I'm looking at Frankie, I'm looking at the bullpen, I'm like, I don't think anyone's got better stuff than <laughs> Frankie Montas. I
3: I want you on the mound. Man, I'm just I'm just blessed and and, and, and glad to be here, man, and, and and be able to to help him whatever I can, you know. And and like a man, I I I'm the type of guy that like I'm always asking questions, you know. I don't care if you just got to the league. If you have ten years in the league, like I talked a lot with, with Paul, you know, uh, um, Caprillion, like guys in the past, like Bassi, Manaya, like me and Bassi, pretty much like been together for a lot of years because we were together in the White Sox, and yeah. those two guys, Menaya and Bassi, were two guys that I look up to. You know, the way the way they handle themselves, the way they go out there, the way they go about the business. Like, like I wanted to be like that, you know what I'm saying? And 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 just be able to learn from those guys and, and Edwin Jackson in the past, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Cahill, all those guys. I'm I always trying to get the good things about them, you know, how they go about this business, how they pitch, how they get prepared to pitch every five days. That's some things that are like I'm always trying to look like looking for it, so I can so I can uh, um, do it and 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 trying to go out there and have a good game.
0: Edwin Jackson is, like, one of the greatest resources because he's played oh, for every man. team. Oh, it's like, he can tell you any restaurant, guy, any golf course, anything kn- you he want. He knows
3: every city. but I swear <laughs> to God. That man, hey, wasn't Seattle. Oh, well, in Seattle you got this. You got the switcher. You got this spider. But he knows everything. I swear to God, he, he played in every city in MLB. I swear. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was
0: a good dude. It was He was always a fun interview because yeah, what a oh, wealth. Because yeah, yeah. obviously you'd want to play in the same spot your entire career. But then – you think about what he did. Like, he played almost for every team. It's like he got to. Well, it was,
3: what, 17 teams, something like what that? What was it? it, it was, it's a record. It was something like that, right? It's yeah. a record. And him and, I, him and uh, uh, um, this guy, uh, um, this Dominican dude. Um,
0: the deal reliever for the A's.
3: The, uh, what's his name? Uh,
0: Octavio um, Dotel.
3: Dotel. Hell yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, the that guy. guy. That guy was. Well, and was it's kind of cool
0: because you got to live in, like, every major American city.
3: Seriously. i um,
0: but what a wealth of knowledge! I went off the field. The young family. What's that done for you,
3: man? I feel like that's one of the things that have, has like helped me grow up as a um, as a father, as a man, as a human being. Having two kids and it's just like like I wouldn't trade this for anything. Like my my mental peace. Like just I'm just so blessed that got got god bless me with a really good family really good kids you know and i feel like that's one of the reasons why like i'm trying to go out there and like always give my best you know i don't want to show my son something that like i don't want like i wouldn't want him to do it in the future you know what i'm saying whatever it is that you're doing you have to make sure you give 100 percent, you know Um, baseball school whatever it is in life you know you have to stay dedicated to whatever you're doing and um that's why i work hard and i'm just trying to go every five days out there and um Show him that, like, hey, if you give hundred percent, and don't matter what happened, no matter the results, you're gonna go to sleep good.
0: Obviously, everybody's talking about you in baseball,
3: <laughs> and I don't know how much you can
0: wall that off. But every article, everything you look at, Frankie Montas, Frankie i mean, you, you, <laughs> you legitimately may be the most coveted guy at the deadline. We don't want you to go, right? We want you to stay forever. But are you able to, like? Shut that out at all? Because I'm sure, like your family and everybody knows what's going on. How do you shut? How how do you? How do you have the blinders on for that?
3: I'm in Auckland right now, right? So I got to pitch for Auckland. Yeah. So whatever I'm at right now, that's what I'm focusing. I'm not, I'm not trying to think about getting traded. I'm here right now, so right here, this is what they need me. You know. So I'm just trying to do my job. That's it. You know, if I get. It, whatever happened, if I could trade it, whatever I go, I gotta still do my job. I can still gotta keep on grinding. So right, like right now I'm here, so I'm just focusing, just keep going and help the team whatever I can.
0: What has Scott Emerson done for you for your career?
3: Uh, he has helped me a lot over the over the years. You know, like I got here pretty young. You know, I think he was the the, the bullpen coach when I got here, and um, just like like on the type of it, like every year, like I'm not trying to like. Like go from zero to a hundred, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm to like, whatever I'm doing, I'm trying to master that, then move to the uh, to the next step, whatever it is, you know. The sun does is just trying to like, go from like good to great. Greatness is a process. That's what they said, right? Greatness is a process. You can't just wake up and be great, you know. So he has helped me a lot, just like. The mental game, you know, just just trying to stay like on the control pitching. Because for me, it's just like, for me, it's just more like mental stuff, you know, just like trying to make sure my head's clear, trying to make sure I'm going out there and I'm not thinking about anything else but pitching, you know. And he has helped me like, like how to deal with those those type of situations. Not let the game like speed up on you, you know. Sometimes you're pitching and you you get like you get yourself caught up and like throwing pitch after pitch after pitch. And then next thing you know, you have three runs, and you're like, "Oh my God!" Like, it's time to wake up. You know, just trying to stay into the game, and and I feel like he has helped me a lot on that.
0: We've talked a lot, and let's end on this: uh, the speed of the game, the pace of the game. You've been using PitchCom. We're seeing these young guys coming up who are used to the pitch clock. They're working faster. Have you just noticed with PitchCom and these kids that the game is starting to speed up?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I see it, like, and and. And if I see it like with uh, some of my guys, I make sure like I tell them, you know, hey, you're the one with the ball in your hands, you know, don't don't let the game get too quick on you, you know, the game doesn't start until you throw the ball, you know, it ain't gonna be no play if you don't throw the ball, so you have to be able to to learn how to like control the running game, you know, how to how to not let the game speed you up or like get you out of out of what you uh, um trying to do and trying to work on.
0: Well, I got to tell you, you know we're all huge fans and no matter what happens, uh, <laughs> I appreciate it that, is man. what it is, I but that. you've been I a rock it, of this rotation for a long time and we we've, we've uh, watching you grow as a man, watching you grow as a professional athlete and truly now one of the most dominant guys in the American League. has been that. a lot of fun. So keep doing what you're doing cuz every 5 days, Frankie days is win day in my book. Right. Frankie Montas right here on A's Cast Live always love catching up with Frankie, and now we'll talk to Zach Logue. And I know he's been sent down, but let me tell you something. Zach Logue is going to pitch a lot of games for the Oakland Athletics. Zach Logue is going to join us coming up here. Boy, what a start he's had, huh? Come out of the bullpen, get your first W in your debut. Immediately, they send you back down. They bring you up. And then two really good starts, first career win. And I remember texting Alex Jensen, who was doing the games in Detroit. I'm like, what's there not to like? All he does is come out, he gets ahead of you, he throws strikes. He's obviously very competitive, and he's going to join us coming up here. And I wonder if it's got that hockey mentality, but whatever it is, He's definitely not afraid, and he's taking advantage of his situation. And it's something, that, as we've talked about this year being the year of discovery, he's definitely a guy we want to see more of, and he joins us now. Welcome to our set, Ace Cast Live. I'm Chris Townsend. I do all the Ace stuff, and uh,
1: welcome to what we do here on Ace Cast Live. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. So how are you feeling after that last start? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Yeah. Um... You know, I, I just felt a little bit more comfortable out there than uh, the start in Minnesota. Um, so I was able to, you know, have a little bit more control of myself, kind of attack hitters early, and uh, I thought that that made a big difference getting getting ahead of a lot of guys. Well, that's one thing that,
0: that I've really enjoyed, and we talked about that with you and Adrian Martinez, with the fact that here you go. You know, the for you now, you, you've already got the relief appearance. you got the start. so But for him, adrenaline's pumping. And really, for you guys back-to-back, to not walk anybody. Yes, zero runs is the best, Right, but not to walk anybody, especially when you're someone who's not out there trying to strike everybody out. That's key for you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, That was a big emphasis for me last year. Not that I've walked a ton of people, but just limiting those free passes is huge because, you know, you give up a free pass and then a a blue pit and then a a single, and that's a run, maybe two runs, and you, you know, could have got out of that with zero or or one. Um, So, yeah, just limiting the free passes, I think, kind of, helps to limit those big those big innings. Just talk about what it was
0: like, debut, W, sent back down, and then you just, after that, you don't know. You know you're probably going to come back, but just what was that like?
1: Yeah, um, so, yeah, I went up to Toronto, which was obviously my former team. I, I didn't get in there, but it was cool to see some of the guys that, that I had come up with and stuff like that. Uh, came back here, was here for the home opener, which was awesome, and then got in the next day. Um, had some family in town which was awesome but yeah there was uh, there was definitely some nerves going i'm i don't normally come out of the bullpen uh so that was a different routine for me especially but uh, i just wanted to go out there fill up the zone kind of attack guys and see what happened and uh it was a 1-0 ball game so it was close so i knew i needed to, to you know put up a zero um went out there was able to do that and then castellani came in and got me out of a bit of a jam and then, uh, yeah, I just happened to be in when we scored those two runs, so kind of kind of lucked into that win. But um, to have it all happen in the same game was pretty pretty special.
0: And then you come back, and then here you go again. You know, now you're starting obviously that's a whole different ball game coming out of the bullpen you went down there yeah yeah maybe a good idea you're gonna pitch or not but now you're starting now you're back into your routine as a starter going from the hotel getting here at a certain point when you play long toss when you run how you warm up what was that like
1: yeah um i definitely feel more comfortable with that i've done that pretty much my entire pro career so i kind of have that routine pretty set in my mind which you know put me at ease a little bit but you know, you go out in Minnesota, it's a pretty big park. There's fans there. I definitely had some uh, some jitters going the first couple innings. Um, but, you know, I was able to limit some damage there, and then I was able to settle in. But, yeah, I felt a little bit more comfortable coming coming in on the start. So, right now
0: where you are after a couple starts, just how do you feel confidence-wise in what you're doing and what you're working on and having that confidence that you've showed us basically you, you're you fearless?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kind of like you said, when you come up here, you don't really know how the stuff's going to play. You know, it may, it may work in the minor leagues, and what you do there might not work here. But um, you know, you you throw some good pick pitches, you execute what you're what you're wanting to, and you get the results you want. That definitely builds confidence. Um, so for me, it's all about executing pitches. And yeah, like you said, I I like to come after guys. I don't mind pitching inside, uh, no matter who's at the plate. Um, I think that's part of what what makes me good, and part of what I have to do, given that I don't. I'm not throwing 95, 96 out there, so I kind of have to be able to move the ball around, mix it up, and uh, use the entire zone.
0: There is a whole lot of information in baseball. I mean, you can get everything you want on every single player. We're looking over the Angels right now. Yeah. You can get everything you want, and it's all through baseball, more obviously here at the big league level. How much do you delve into it to prepare
1: yourself? Are
0: you one of those guys that is, like, all about watching video, all looking at everything, or is more just about you?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely have started to watch a little bit more video. Um, I think in the big leagues there's guys that have, you know, pretty, pretty impressive strengths and you want to know what those are. Um, but a lot of it for me I think comes down to just executing a good pitch. Um, one of the things that I think you got to remind yourself is that no matter where you are, hitting is really, really hard. And uh, coming after guys, mixing it up, you know, mixing up location and pitches and all that stuff, uh, at the end of the day is probably still going to win no matter who's at the plate. Um, but yeah there's definitely a little bit you know a little bit more research done before a start I think up here just because there are guys that are that good. There
0: is a pitcher that comes on this program all the time. He's a Hall of Famer, Tom Glavin, uh, a hockey guy. Was yeah. drafted uh, who's he drafted by? Was he drafted by the Kings, right? Yeah, yeah cuz he talked about how he to replace Luke Robitaille on their on the line.
3: Yeah, better than bump, bump, Luke, Luke Robotai, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so and he's always talked about you know, in hockey, a very physical game. And I covered the Sharks for years. And there's something about hockey players is a different mentality. You're a hockey guy. Yeah. Talk about how hockey helps you on the mound. I'm, I'm, I'm curious if it's similar to Tom Glavin, <laughs> the Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah, um, I've, I've talked about this before with some other people. And I think hockey is just such a – it's such a, like – you got to be mentally tough. You got to be physically tough. It's just kind of like a blue collar mentality. And you might go out there, you might take a slap shot off the shin or off the foot, but you're gotta, you got you got to finish your shift uh, for your teammates. So I think you just got you just got to be tough, no matter what's going on around you, no matter if you're playing well or your team's playing well. You can just you got to control what you can control and uh, go out there and kind of have that bulldog mentality.
0: So were you a goal
1: scorer? <laughs> um, I kind of. I was more of an assist guy. I played I played wing so I was happy to feed it to the guys that had a little bit a little bit better shot than I did.
0: You didn't have the pop, huh? <laughs> didn't quite have the pop. <laughs> you know,
1: I was I was a bit of a late bloomer, so I was kind of sm- not that I'm huge now, but there I are. was really skinny and stuff like that. I was pretty fast, but no, I didn't I didn't quite have the pop that some of the bigger guys on our team. Did.
0: Yeah, there's there's definitely a toughness you got to have to play that sport. Mm-hmm. A lot of you know, out here we don't know we don't grow up on frozen ponds <laughs> in California, but there's a there's a mentality, especially a toughness to play that sport. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I love hockey. I still love watching it. I wouldn't say I follow it super closely, but I love it because you know those guys are out there and they're putting their bodies on the line for their team and uh, that's just something you really got to respect and I I love watching especially the playoffs it's a lot of fun
0: independent ball changed your career how
1: so in the the COVID 2020 season I didn't I wasn't invited to the alternate site for the Blue Jays so I was just kind of stuck at home and you know the first couple months I was playing catch and throwing bullpens with some friends in the area but you know you can only get so much work in doing that and uh, there was the Florence Freedom and the Lexington Legends. They put together a little four-team league and a bunch of pro guys and, you know, just normal people just came and tried out and wanted to get a little baseball in over the summer. And uh, the competition actually ended up being pretty good. Uh, Brandon Phillips played for one of the teams. So I got to yeah. face some, you know, some, some, real, some real guys and some guys that played Triple AA, A at the time. Um, So it was really, really good to get that competition. And that's kind of when I developed my cutter. And seeing reactions from that was huge going going into 2021, the next year.
0: Yeah, I remember, you know, we had the guys that went down to San Jose. It's the San Jose Giants, which is obviously with the San Francisco Giants. Mm -hmm. But we took over that site and, you know, like Cap was there. We talked to a few guys that were there and it was like great for them, but – everybody else i mean like what 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 the hell is everybody going to do it's exactly. like you, you lost a year of your career mm-hmm. so that's kind of always been a question what did everybody do we know right. some people retired some people went out and got jobs yeah I mean, that had to be so tough for all of you guys. It was.
1: It was tough because at first we went home and we're like, oh, we'll be at home for, you know, no more than two weeks, and then we'll come back and we'll just start this thing back up. And then, you know, a month goes by, a month and a half, two months goes by, and we haven't heard anything. So there's just so much unknown, and, you know, we're not getting any younger over here, and you can get old in this game really, really fast. Um, so, yeah, the unknown was really, really hard, but I'm glad I got to, you know, get some game experience and not lose that, that feel for it um, for an entire season.
0: You know, for me as a former pitcher, I was a short right-hander. You understand yep. what short? Um, what scared me about the cutter, especially always playing against metal bats in college <laughs> versus, yeah, uh, it's like if it doesn't really cut that much, this thing is just ra- at least with a slider. Yeah. I know it's a strikeout pitch. I got. I'm, I'm, I'm. Once you get that though, it's amazing how it doesn't move that much, but hitters just. They don't react well to it. They yeah. just can't barrel it up.
1: Right, right. And I'm, even though I don't throw super hard, I'm a guy that, that throws a lot of fastballs. I have, you know, I trust my fastball a lot of the time. Um, so, you know, I got to double in 2019, and I got, had guys that were just selling out to heaters and, and barreling them up pretty good. So I knew I needed something to just get them off the fastball just that much. And like you said, it doesn't move a ton um but it's you know it looks like a fastball the majority of the way and it gets off the barrel just that much to get to get off it and jam them or swing and miss or whatever it might be
0: Were you at any point maybe this is just us who have been around the game a long time now are kind of shell shocked that we don't allow pitchers to pitch <laughs> even though that's your job is to pitch yeah um all of a sudden i said like my god he's at 94 pitching like he's still out there is that weird to you guys? Because for us, we were so used to guys going one twenty, one fifteen. Mm-hmm. They now don't allow you guys to pitch. Were, were you shocked you were still out there?
1: Um, you know, I figured they might let me go out there for another one and kind of be a batter to batter situation. Cruising. Yeah, I, I felt good. I think that was part of it, and we had a big lead. So I think with the double header the day before, and then we have a double header tomorrow. Trying to conserve that bullpen was as big. So I think they're just trying to let me get as many outs as I could for the team. Um, I figured. If a guy or a couple guys got on, I might come out. Um, but yeah, like you said, in the minor leagues, even you know you're not really not going past 90 pitches. Um, so it was good to kind of. It's nice to go out there and know it's kind of your ball game. You know what I mean? You're you're gonna go until you can't go anymore, basically. Which is which is what I think a lot of us enjoy about pitching.
0: What has surprised you the
1: most about being at the big league level? Mm, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's. There's some, you know, there's some things that I, that didn't, it's the same game, you know what I mean? It's still baseball. Baseball, yeah. Um, You know, I think you see all these guys on TV and uh, you think, oh my gosh, they're so good and and a lot of them are, but it's still baseball, um, so I think. You know, knowing that is kind of comforting, you know what I mean? But, I mean, it, it's awesome. They treat you so well up here, and the guys on the team and the coaches and the staff all over here have been awesome to me. So, yeah, I got, I got no complaints.
0: Yeah, I mean, last series, Miguel Cabrera, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, Mike Trout, when it's all said and done, is going to be one of the greatest players to have ever played. Mm-hmm. Shohei Otani, God, we have – I mean, it's crazy what he's doing, yeah, right? It's I mean, it's, it's just like – it's like every series, you know, for the most part, you're playing against somebody, or, or you're playing against a certain team where you just it there. It's wow, it's the best of the best in the world. It is,
1: it, it is surreal. You know, I, I obviously knew Miggy was in the lineup that night, but you know, you kind of walk around and then all of a sudden they announce Miguel Cabrera over the loudspeaker, and you're like, oh, oh gosh, like he's about to step in, and I gotta, I gotta go after him. So that yeah, that moment that he stepped in was was pretty surreal. And yeah, you look over on the other side and they got Trout, and Otani, and all these guys so it is it is a little bit surreal to share a field with with those guys but like i said it's still baseball and we're all going out there and having fun
0: well i've talked about this year as the year of discovery and let's find out the guys that can help us win now and let's you know the guys that can help us win in the future i see you as one of those guys you keep putting up zeros i mean you go to emerson you go to cots you're like hey I'm ready to go every five <laughs> days, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the goal, like you said, is we want to help this team win. And uh, that's what it's all about in the big league. So, like you said, just trying to put up zeros, trying to go deep into ball games, and give our our guys a chance to win and, and finish it off for us. So, uh, yeah, that's what it's all about, just trying to do my best.
0: Let's end on this. So, we did the Mark Katze show earlier today, and he told us about the team meeting. That really hadn't gotten out, but he wanted to talk about it now. Yeah. Just what was that like, what did it mean, and how did it help you guys in Detroit?
1: Yeah, um, so basically the message was early, early in the year we were playing with confidence. We were, you know, I, most people don't expect a whole lot from us, and I think we kind of took that as a chip on our shoulder. People were playing with confidence, going out there, trying to prove some people wrong. And then, you know, at, at home I wasn't here for most of it, but, you know, a few things didn't go our way. And, you know, you can, you can get down in the dumps. It's a tough game um it's a game of failure like everybody says um so he just wanted to 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 get across that we need to play with confidence we need to play with a little bit of swag and uh i thought paul blackburn did a great job he went out there and, and gave us an awesome outing and uh Put up a ton of zeros. I don't think we gave up any runs that game. And, you know, we just went from there. We played with a little bit of confidence. And, you know, I love watching Tony Kemp over there at second base. He plays with a ton of energy. Pache plays with a ton of energy. So you get those guys going and it just kind of gets rolling from there.
0: Hey, awesome stuff. Great to meet you. And hopefully we're doing this for years. Absolutely. That'd be awesome.
1: That would be perfect. I would love it.
0: I really like him. I think he throws strikes. I think he's got good stuff, and he's a tough guy. Zach Logue, I want to see more of him. We always love catching up with our buddy, the manager of the Las Vegas Aviators, and we had him on video this time. Here is the great Fran Reardon. Do we have the great Fran Reardon? Oh, hey. What is happening? How are you?
4: I'm, I'm good. I'm just uh, sitting in the office here in Sacramento getting ready for another game.
0: What do you think of the new AceCast Cast Live set?
4: It's pretty sweet. I, I never saw the old one, but uh, I love the tribute to Ray there, and uh, it looks pretty sharp, pretty sharp digs.
0: You know, the old one looks like a bad, you know, it was like uh, spit cups and beers and stuff like that. So uh, we, we've cleaned it up a little bit here, and we were just talking about it because we had Sandy Alomar Jr. on the program, and the last time we saw him was right before the whole COVID outbreak. And then it was the same thing with you because we interviewed you right after him. And then, of course, we got to talk to you the alternate site and obviously last year. But it's the first time seeing you, so it's great to see. It's been a while.
4: Yeah, it has been a while. And it's good to kind of get a sense of normalcy back where we can do these things again.
0: How's the season going so far for you guys down there?
4: It's been great. It's been a little bit of a whirlwind. We've had a lot of personnel moves and a lot of roster flux, but... uh, I tell you what, we're having a lot of fun here, and there's some guys that are really performing and uh, looking forward to helping Oakland
0: here in yeah. the near future. Yeah, you start thinking about utilizing the 40-man roster. When Ramon Laureano comes up, I think it's going to be now 38 players from the 40-man have been used. Have you ever seen something like this?
4: I, I haven't, but uh, you know what? It, it's exciting, and it's a land of opportunity now, and uh, I, I think there's still a lot of energy. Um within the entire organization. I know there's still a lot of energy in the big leagues and, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a fun time for, for guys to make names for themselves.
0: Yeah. So when you start thinking about that land of opportunity, cause we've talked about that for years, like if you get traded, you get signed, you can be a minor league rule five, whatever, you know that when you come and sign with the A's that you're going to have a chance to get to the big leagues and we've talked to you before how it's the greatest conversation, the biggest part of your job is to tell a guy that he's going to the big leagues. Just what does that mean and just remind our fan base that when guys come over, they understand and when they play for you, they understand. They're not going to you're not blocked. You you produce, you'll have an opportunity to get to the big leagues.
4: Well, it's, it's been like, like that in, uh, in AAA with Oakland since I started managing in 2018 at the AAA level. And to me, it's a beautiful thing because a uh, big reason we get so many really good minor league free agents, major league free agents, um, international free agents to come here is because they, they see the opportunity, they know the opportunity, and uh, I, I think Oakland in general does a great job of providing players with an atmosphere where they can go and, and be the best versions of themselves and a lot of players in the last four or five years have taken advantage of that opportunity. And then from my perspective to, to get, to be able to tell them that they're going to the big leagues for the first time or back to the big leagues and, you know, two, three, four, five years, uh, definitely one of the most report rewarding parts of the
0: job. You know, Ramon Laureano, when we saw him down at spring training, you could just tell he was like, "Tony, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. You know, we've known him now for years and, He's got that fighter's mentality. I mean, he's the one guy I've ever seen challenge an entire dugout. He went after that Astros dugout. It was him against the world. It was awesome to see. I know the A's didn't love it, but it was. It just showed his fighting spirit. Uh, he's down there with you. Just what – I mean, he's like a bull in a china shop. How are you controlling him right now? Because you know he wants to be back here so bad.
4: <laughs> well, you know what? Just uh, letting him get his energy uh, out on the field. You know, And like you said, he's a fighter. He's a – He's just a ball of intensity, a ball of of fire and, and he wants to win. He'll do anything to, to win and he's always been like that. You know, I, I first saw Ramon playing for uh, Corpus Christi in two thousand seventeen and, and the guy just jumps off the field with his intensity and the way he plays the game and when when we got him over to Oakland I knew it was gonna be a great bet and he's done nothing but but great things on the field since he showed up. So I know he's chomping at the bit to get back, and uh, tonight's his last game with us before he heads to, to Minnesota to join the big league team.
0: Yeah, I was, we haven't gotten his travel schedule, so I was wondering, is he still there or not? And I said to Mark Kotze earlier today for the Mark Kotze show, I said, I said, Cots, I know how you were, and I know how he is. There's no way he's showing up in Minnesota and you're keeping him out of the lineup. He'll drive you nuts in the dugout. So uh, wouldn't you say I think on Sunday we'll see Ramon in the lineup?
2: I mean, that's that's a little bit outside of the realm of, of what I what I would deal with.
4: But uh, you know, if, if I'm caught, I'm putting him in there because you know he's going to be like a little puppy by his hip the whole game.
0: <laughs> uh, Shane Lang- Shane Lang- Lears is putting up some huge numbers, and of course, you know how A's fans are. They see the numbers, call him up, calling him up, call him up, and we know he's a big deal coming over from the Atlanta Braves in the Matt Olson uh, trade. So tell us, we haven't really seen, we've seen highlights. Tell tell us what he is offensively. Tell us defensively how he calls a game, how he throws. What is the package that's down there in AAA right now?
4: All right, so the first thing I'm going to tell you about Shea is something that you're not going to be expecting to hear, and that's the the fact that he is very fast.
0: A catcher. Uh,
4: uh, yeah, yeah. He, I'm not. I'm not even going to say he's very fast for a catcher. I think stack has, has him rated as our uh, one of our top three runners down the line. You know, home wow. first. Wow. So that that's just kind of a, a interesting tidbit about him. I mean, the guy guy can really run. Um, I mean, offensively, you're looking at a guy in, in 23, 24 game sample that has 10 home runs, is leading all Triple A and, in OPS and slugging and up there in extra base hits, total bases, RBIs, home runs, uh, pretty much every offensive category that matters. And, uh, you know, for him to be doing it and then catching, you know, 95% of our games and the physical toll that that takes is even more impressive. So pretty much he's shown that he's the the whole package for the first month of the season. And uh, he's just a joy to watch play every day. Um, I, I can't think of anything that he doesn't do uh, at a really, really high level, and that includes his his off the field preparation, his his game planning, his game calling, the way he receives, the way he throws. He's an elite thrower, um, and he's a great receiver. So when you, when you're talking about a, what what could be one of the the better catchers in the major leagues in the next you know couple of years, uh, Shay Lang- Langoliers has to be one of the first guys you think of.
0: Yeah, that is – I mean, you talk about the high praise. And I know it's a question that you get, and it's not really fair, is when someone says, all right, has he done enough? Is he somebody that's ready for the big leagues? I mean, you never know until someone gets here. Would you look at this player with his success and say, yeah, big league ready?
4: I, I, I would in a small sample. And, you know, small samples can trick you sometimes with guys that have frenzy talent or – Frenzy makeup, but guys that have elite talent and elite makeup, um, you know the short sample size tends to to grow a little bit into, you know what you may have with this guy down the line, and from from where I sit every night, he's he's big league ready, um, but those are decisions that other people, you know, will make when the time is right, you know, based on what's the what's the best for our team and what's the best for Shay Langliers.
0: When a guy has gotten the taste of the big leagues. And he's sent back down. Obviously, major disappointment. You understand it. Everybody understands it. How do you handle those situations, and is it really a case-by-case how you handle it?
4: It's definitely a case-by-case. And it it matters the kind of previous relationship I have with a player. Uh, have I managed him in low, lower levels? Have I managed him in AAA? Ha, is he a free agent that I really don't know that I just got to meet in spring training that I'm not very close with? But I, I think just having a, a frank conversation and, you know, getting feedback about what they've been told from the major league staff that they need to work on, um, hearing that verbalized from the player is always important. And then asking the player himself, hey, OK, so you got stunned down. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to get back up and how are you going to stay there once you get back up? And the reasons that you give me are going to be the reasons, the the things that you need to, to work on while you're here. And there's going to be accountability when you tell me these things. And I think that if you just have those frank conversations in the the first couple of days that a guy gets sent back, then, it, you know, the. There's purpose again. There's motivation again. And if there isn't, then there's not much I can do for my end. That's that's on the player. But I think the guys understand when they get you know, sent back, sent down, that the, the stakes are still so high that they're not going to stop. They're not going to you know, be bitter and disgruntled and not do things the right way because they're professionals. And they know that if they want to get back to where they want to be, then they're going to have to keep on being professionals and keep on honing their games.
0: So I look at Nick Allen. We got to know him while he was up here, sent back down. Uh, You could tell there's a lot of great qualities there. Uh, Don't worry about the size. Uh, He's got speed. He's got hands. He's got a lot of instincts. He's got some moxie in him. Uh, What do you expect from him now that he's come back down to you to try and get him back up here?
4: Well, I expect him to be the, the same guy he was before he left, the same guy he was at the alternate site in 2020, the same guy he was um, as an Olympian last year, as a, a rock hound, as an aviator. And he, he's the same. He's somebody that that is tireless in his work ethic and uh, his hunger to get better. Um, his confidence has is, is never wavered and never will because he knows he's a big leaguer and he knows he'll be back and he knows he's going to have a great career. So... Uh, As a manager, just having that trust in in guys like like Nick that do everything right, you don't have to worry about any sort of letdown or any woe is me moments because he's going to be the same guy, and that's a pretty special trait to have.
0: Well, throughout the year, we're going to see – A lot of player movement and that's kind of exciting for A's fans from a standpoint of okay we've dubbed this the year discovery so we want to see who's going to help win games now who's going to help win games in the future so tell us a a couple guys on your squad who may not be household names that will be here this year and they're going to help this ball club
4: yeah I think we have a a few guys like that. I mean, uh, Mickey McDonald got his first taste of the big leagues, and he's he's a guy who's constantly been banging doors down as as a non prospect throughout his entire career. So for him to get that opportunity, if albeit a short one at the major league level, was a huge boost in his confidence. Um, you know, we we have a guy, Durce Garcia, who we picked up from the Yankees, a minor league free agent that started off a little bit slow and then got on a little little tear then. Had a slight oblique, but he, he showed a lot of promise in a, a pretty short period of time. Um, and then a couple guys that you're familiar with, the, the Drew Jackson, the, the Christian Lopes of the world. Um, they've done nothing but but great things since they came to spring training or came to minicamp even before spring training started. So there's, there's some players that are here that are, are pretty close to being able to, to go back up and help the big league team. And uh, that's, that's what our goal is every day here.
0: Let's end on this. Normalcy hasn't gotten back to all of us, no question. But how close for you guys in Las Vegas with the Aviators? Do you have as much as you possibly can have?
4: I mean, based on the circumstances of the last two years, yes. Um, you know, people are still careful, uh, people still understand that there's a lot of suffering in the world going on because of what's happened in the last two years with a pandemic. And I don't think that's going to go away from people's minds for quite some time. And it, it affects the players, it affects, the, the front offices, but now, and since the season started so much less than in the previous two years and just kind of, uh, climbing towards that light where things are 100% back to normal is, uh, I think, I think something that everybody looks forward to.
0: Well, you have a standing invite when you're back in the Bay area. I know you got up to play center Bar Hills golf club. Uh, we've got the invite for you. I'm a member up there. So whenever we can get you back in town, get you back on the links, we'd love to have you up here.
4: Uh, it's one of my favorite courses. So I'll, I'm, I'm all in as soon as I get back up that way.
0: Well, hey, keep doing what you're doing, and we'll check in soon and be well. You take care, my friend. All right.
4: Good catching up.
0: The great Fran Reardon right here on A's Cast Live, as Fran is uh a leader of men, as we like to say. Fran is good people, and I guarantee you he is gonna manage someday in the big leagues. And how about Jerry Blevins? He's an all time A's favorite for you fans. Here is the lanky left hander. I wanted Jerry to see the set that we got going is he on the line with us i want to
2: see the set too
0: what the heck's going you're 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 not you're not one of these 70 year old writers you can't work your camera
2: dude i do live tv from this exact same place (laughs) no problems but uh you guys want to do some new stream yard and it won't it won't go through my chrome
0: yeah well yeah we're the oakland A's, jerry you know how that works (laughs)
2: <laughs> that is the truth. I know a little bit too well.
0: Well, it's been a long time since we we've seen you. Uh, congratulations on the success with John Boy and everything with the Mets. How are you?
2: I'm doing great, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's it's uh, uh it's nice being on this end of my playing career. I'm enjoying it quite a, quite a lot.
0: Yeah, that was the thing that we always knew. I mean, when we had you on, when I had you on my talk show or the pregame show. We always knew that if it was something you wanted to do, this could be in your future and I'm glad you're doing it because the personality fits and uh, and I can see how you know especially in New York where they're loving baseball right now that uh, you can't beat it. It's like a perfect fit for you.
2: It's really fun. Thanks for saying that. yeah I wasn't I wasn't um, sure kind of what I wanted to do. I know I love the game of baseball, and I have a young family. I have two young boys. Um, will be four on the 14th and a two-and-a-half-year-old. And I just wanted to be home. And now I love that I could do a little bit of everything, and live TV still gives me that adrenaline rush. Um, and I enjoy bringing a, a little bit of a unique perspective with some of the things i picked up over my career. Uh, I really enjoy it a lot more than I anticipated, uh, and it's fun. You know,
0: when you look at what's happening in New York with the Yankees and the Mets doing well, it doesn't happen all the time. But when it does, just talk about how electric it is.
2: It really is electric. There's there's a feeling in the city when the, the two baseball clubs are really good. And it becomes like... You know, a, a little bit of a fervor. It's like a challenge on uh, which colors are going to light up the Empire State Building that day. Um, it's uh, you know, you see a, a Yankees hat walking by the street, and they'll like if they know who you are, which which happens on occasion, very rarely for for a middle reliever, but they'll give you like a dirty look. Or if a Mets and a Yankees fan walks by, there'll be some in exchange uh it's it's a lot of fun especially when the temperatures start to rise like they are right now out here um it's just a, an electric place to be uh in a sports town when when the two the two baseball teams are are playing well
0: well it's so interesting you just said that because we were talking about what chavi has said over the weekend and made, made news as the mets hitting coach talking about hey the, His player said the balls were different for primetime games. He didn't believe it. Then he saw it with his own eyes. The analytics backed it up. Uh, Chris Bassett, former A, has talked about the balls are constantly different. What do you make as a pitcher where obviously if anybody knows if the balls are different, that's the equipment you're playing with every single day. You guys are going to know. What do you make that everybody's saying, hey, these balls, day in and day out, and now we're switching what kind of television you're going to be on. It's different. What do you make of that?
2: It's it's it's. Oh, what's the word I want to use? It's unfortunate and unnecessary, really. Um, can you imagine if the NBA, like you know, would would be changing the the amount of air pressure in the basketballs? or you you saw deflate gate with yep. the NFL like it 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 matters um and it's hard because you don't know how to anticipate it i remember i remember when they changed the ball the first time and i'm in bp and i'm like shagging batting practice for the first time in a long time in spring training and i'm like standing under the baseball and all of a sudden i'm like oh man i am I'm, I'm in i need to scoop back like 10 15 feet, and i catch it and that kept happening. And I'm like, something's weird. Like, this isn't, you know, I've got a lifetime of, of catching fly balls. I can't be this off. Like, my instincts are off. And so, it really messes with you. And when you when you have a little bit of doubt on a lifelong, you know, career of, of playing baseball, it, it's your livelihood. And you want something to be consistent. It's just the ball. It, it, it's a weird thing to do. I, I don't know what the, the, the issue is and why they keep changing it. Um, but, they better start to, to regulate it a lot more, or, or the fans themselves. Like, players have been on them a long time, but I think the fans are starting to to get fed up with this being an issue.
0: Yeah, we were playing the X-Files music, and I was doing my whole conspiracy thing. I believe everything <laughs> I read on the internet, I believe everything on Twitter, and that joke that I always pull. And I'm like, listen, I, I compared it, and I'm glad you did basketball because that's what I did. I said, it's like, if the Warriors are playing – because right now, as you know here, everything's Golden State Warriors. And the Warriors, if they're playing on NBC Sports Bay Area, and they're let's say they're playing the Suns or on Bally Sports, you're playing with one ball. But all of a sudden, we're going to turn this game into a TNT game. Now we're playing with a different ball that's easier to shoot and hit threes with. We would be going out of our minds if they were playing with different basketballs in different games. Like, why is this acceptable you know, in baseball? It's, it's
2: what? It's so wild that that's a thing. But, you know, even the more frustrating part about it is that you never know which ones you're getting because there's no explanation why. We don't even believe that they know when they're doing it. Um, So you don't know what, what ball you're getting any given day. Like, even if it were changing and you were made aware of it going into it, you can kind of make an adjustment. It's still a ridiculous concept that we're changing it. But the fact that you never know what ball you're holding in your hand is is really like just it's unacceptable.
0: Now, I I think about your career and if you would have come out today and played, I mean, you could be an opener. You could be starting. Jerry Blevins could go an (laughs) inning or two to start a game. Uh, Right now we're looking and we've been seeing it. And we're looking at historic innings pitched by relievers, that they're covering more innings than ever before. My question has been, is it the more this happens, will it be sustainable? Less innings from starters, more innings from relievers. We're going to cut back on 14 relievers coming up here. Do you believe this is sustainable?
2: Um, I don't believe it's sustainable. I do believe that the game is it evolves. You never know what iteration of, of baseball is coming. You know, there's an emphasizing home runs and, and the three true outcomes. And then it seems like speed's coming into the game a lot more and teams are starting to rely on. First of all, you know, shout out to the A's and all the great fans. Um, I, I love the A's and I love their fans. And if they want to cheer on the 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 Oakland days of years past come on over to your national league let the Mets be your national league team because we got a whole bunch of you guys um, <laughs> with canna Marte you know um, Chris bassett Eric Chavez we, we've got we've got a bunch of old days coming over here but the game really is cyclical and Marte's style of baseball is coming around so as far as bullpen usage you know there's there's a lot of math to to three times through the lineup. Um, as a starter being the time that they start to fall off. So I don't think that starters are all of a sudden going to keep going, but I don't think us having openers is sustainable for a few reasons, because you're going to run through arms too quick. And because I don't enjoy it as a consumer of baseball, as a baseball fan, I don't really want to see eight relievers pitch a game. Like as much as it's weird for me to say being a reliever myself, I never wanted to root for a middle reliever. Like I don't. If I'm gonna buy a jersey, I want to buy a starting pitcher's jersey. You know, I wanna, I want to buy, um, you know, Jacob DeGrom's jersey or Sean Mania's jersey or Frankie Montas. I don't want to buy like a, a, a Jerry Blevins jersey. You know, no offense to myself or my kind, <laughs> but you need the kind of star power to push the game forward. And I just don't think it's a, as good of a product as you can put out there.
0: Uh, a great example, we were just celebrating it's Mother's Day, so we're looking back to that day that all of us were a part of where Dallas Braden threw the perfect game, and the game took two hours and seven minutes. The other day was a one nothing game between the A's and the Twins, and with all the relievers, one nothing Took two hours and 55 minutes. You look at Dallas Braden, two hours and seven minutes, one nothing, A's Twins took two hour and fifty five. You're like, wait, something's uh, crazy. But looking back on that special day, <laughs> that Mother's Day, and I know everybody who was around it. Every single time Mother's Day, you see the, you, you see all the highlights. Dallas Braden, the nineteenth, uh, the nineteenth perfect game. When you remember back to that day, what do you think about?
2: I think about you know. Dallas himself and, and the moment, uh, the, the feeling in the crowd, being in the bullpen. And I think of the, the post-game moment of him embracing his grandma. It's one of those moments that will give me chills. Like, I, like first and foremost, I got a chance to play baseball, but I've always been a fan of the game. And to witness something as incredible as a perfect game, uh, truly, truly fa- like a fantastic thing. And, and I'm really happy – the Dallas is still a, a a member of the ACE family because, you know, that's one of those moments that, that lives on in my memory. It's something I'm grateful for to be able to be a part of. And I'm sure Ace fans are, are happy to have him in the, in the loop and, and being in the booth and, and sharing his knowledge.
0: You know, we're not like going, we're, we're celebrating the 72 team this year and you always know, celebrate teams, but I, I think back, you know, 10 years ago, 2012. I remember going to Japan with the ball club and getting on that plane, going, "Boy, this is going to be a long year." And I remember being at the Tokyo Dome, going, "Man, how's this going to work out? And is this Cespedes guy going to be any good? And Josh Donaldson's really going to play third base? And like, like I remember just all the different. And I remember the big. I had the big interview for the pregame show with Kurt Suzuki and. And little did we know that by June, the team would be completely different. And from like June 2nd on, the team hit more home runs, scored more runs, started pitching, I mean, and chasing down the Texas Rangers. The only time in the history of baseball a team won the division, yet never led once the entire year in the division. Just thinking back at 2012, we all got to live it, how magical it was.
2: Yeah, I, I played a long time in this game. I got, I got a, I was pretty fortunate to have a long career. Um, I was a part of a 2015 team with the Mets that made it to the World Series. Went to the playoffs with a bunch of teams, including the Nationals and the A's. Uh, but the 2012 Oakland Athletics season is my favorite season that I've ever been a part of in any sport. It was truly magical. There were so many like unique storylines. Um, you know, with Cespedes and Coco Crisp and Josh Reddick and Donaldson, um, you know, even Bob Melvin having his first year in, in an Oakland uniform, like from cover to cover, uh, just a magical place to play. Um, that chase down that we had in, in, in the end of the season, um, it was special, man. There's moments that, that you give, you give yourself chills and I'll, you know, it's it's about, I'm a just over a year removed from officially retiring, and I'm just now starting to think back on some of my career moments and, and kind of look at it. I've always been weird about, you know, my own personal achievements, um, but that 2012 season has always felt special, and I've been diving back into it on and off for the last couple of months, and it's truly magical. And uh, I'm excited that you wanted to talk about it because it's truly my favorite season I've ever played.
0: Yeah, we had a a team event and they were going around the line. And uh, some of us have been around here longer than others. And they talked about your favorite year. And I said, my favorite year was 2012. It reminds me a lot of the We Believe Warriors, where you have these teams that took a hold of the Bay Area and everybody got into of the ride. And even though the team didn't win a championship, we like remember the team like it did. And I'll never forget how even after that Detroit series, all the Detroit players talked about this was the loudest stadium they had ever heard before. And that, that ALDS, even though it was just the division series, it felt like a world series. It was just, it's hard to explain it to anybody. When you say that if they didn't experience it, it, it's hard to explain just how special it was. And it's also one of the reasons why Oakland and the fan base will always be special to you guys.
2: Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, there was a lot of things stacked against that team in the end. Like um, it was the expansion of the playoffs that they did in mid season. And so that turned the home field advantage into, you know, we had to start those first two games on the road, And we lost them in in kind of upset fashion. And then we we had the three games at home to end it. I truly think, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that if we get by the Tigers, that we win the World Series. Like, we had all this momentum. You talked about how electric that crowd was. It truly was. And I remember all the Tigers talking. I think they played the Yankees next. And they were like, yeah, no, this is like a home game compared to what we just went through in Oakland. And, and to remember that they were going to open up that top deck to, to fans for the A's games and just I can't imagine what it would have been like in that situation. Um, it, was, it was incredible, man. It, it was special. There, I, I hope somebody makes a movie about it and we get a chance to, you know, at least give it its just due because it was special. And everybody that was a member of that team, um, front office, clubhouse staff, you know, security – the fans and the, they remember how magical it was and so it'd be nice to be able to relive it you know on occasion well call
0: it Brad Pitt and let's do moneyball 2
2: <laughs> yeah that's not a bad idea they didn't win a championship either
0: no no i well i and i remember doing the post game show and You guys went out there, wives, girlfriends. Johnny Gomes has the hose, and he's spraying the fans. And then once you guys all left and went back inside, there was just a pyramid right by the mound of those blue-cylinder Bud Light cans and champagne bottles. And I think our postgame show, that was after the final game where uh, Hamilton drops the ball. You guys came back and won. I'll never forget that celebration either, just to to finally win the West – and just the way you guys got to truly just enjoy tracking down the Texas Rangers and doing something historically that had never been done before.
2: Yeah. I mean, there. like I said, I could talk about that season forever. Like, uh, you know, I've never, that that Texas Rangers team just went to back-to-back World Series. They were still a powerhouse. And I've never, I still to this day have never been a part of a series where we knew The Oakland A's knew that we were going to win all three of those games and the Texas Rangers knew that we were going to win all three of those games. You could see it, you know, from each player. They just knew we were going to beat them because we just had that kind of edge to us. Unfortunately, we ran into Justin Verlander and he got the best of us in in five.
0: Yeah, back to back years running into Justin Verlander and Miguel Cabrera. We just actually had Jim Leland on uh, the program because we're taking on the Detroit Tigers, and he's a special assistant to their GM. And always reliving it with Jim Leland, and he, you know, he has so much respect. for for your guys' team, for Bob Melvin. Those were uh, two great battles. We get fans while listening and watching the show that can reach out to us. And one of our fans wants to, uh, you know, obviously the passing of Ray Fossey has been really, really hard on this organization. Just uh, any fond memories you have about Ray?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Ray is one of the reasons why I can do what I do. Um, I remember him approaching me as a young player and just talking about his, an, an interview and he sat down with me. He, he has a way or he had a way, you know, it hit me pretty hard too with, with Fosse passing, but he had a way of just communicating with, with generation of ball players. and you always felt the significance of, of Ray's presence. And he would, you know, I would ask him a question and he would be honest and forthcoming and genuine. And in the media game, it's really hard to find genuine people. Um, Oakland's got some really good good people around, and, and they're pretty blessed with the coverage that they had. But Ray had an ability to just make you feel like uh, a member of his family. And he, he he talked to me about his post-playing career, and I was asking him kind of, you know, how was it transitioning into into this, and what was your thought process? And he just basically – was forthcoming with so much knowledge and love um, that really, I don't think, you know, at the time when I was talking to him, it was never uh, a plan for me to be on the broadcasting side. Uh, but he really kind of opened that door for me to, to, for it even being a possibility. And I saw you can do it with class and dignity and respect. And so I'll forever be grateful to Ray Fossey, uh, uh, just a, a great human being.
0: Yeah. That's kind of the thing that when, you look at being an Oakland A that if you're here at the right time and you go through the right experience and I've seen players that have left and they come back, it's just, it's part of a family. Is it a little bit dysfunctional at times? No question, but there is this family type atmosphere, players, people who work for the organization, fans, and, I think you'll always have that because you were here during a very good you were here when it was rough, you were here during a good time, but there will always be something special about the Oakland A's and you and your career.
2: Oh man, I, I love Oakland. I love everything about it. Um I love the A's. I'll forever be grateful to them. There there's just, you know, the at the Coliseum especially it was so conducive. And for me, being a bullpen player was really conducive to, to creating relationships with, with the fans because we, you know, you're face to face with them. You know, the long walk from the clubhouse to to the bullpen down there, I'm seeing the same, you know, 200 faces every single day. You know, the, when they open the doors early, you see the season ticket holders, you see, you know, you see the same people sitting behind the the. Um, the bullpen there and you start to to know names and you start to get you know close enough to to ask them about their family or like oh where's Steve today or where you know where's Ashley she didn't come to the game what's she out doing you know you get a chance to, to to be familiar with people and especially when times were were tough as far as the team goes as a player you really respect the fans that show up no matter what, but when you're not playing well and they're still there, you know, you have to be grateful for those people. And so when we are, you know, when we were, my first year there was 07. Um, I got called up that September and we were bad until that 2012 season. But I saw so many faces over and over again that I, uh, you know, you learn to develop trust because they're not just there when it's good. They, they actually know who you are and they're, they're really deep, caring fans and so when it was good and we were finally really good in that 2012 season the love that they poured out and you pour your hearts out for the players on the field you can't help but be romantic about it and want to win for them just as much as they want you to win and just as much as you want to win for yourself and your teammates and so there, there's love for that that fan base for that organization. And, and I hope that a baseball team is there for a long time because that area, that, that group of fans deserves to have it.
0: No doubt about it. It's great to hear your voice. I wish we could have had you got to see you here with all the A's fans being able to watch, but you will always be a fan favorite. Let's do this again soon and continued success.
2: Yeah, maybe I can update my uh my AOL, you know, account and I can get the <laughs> off the dial up and we can sync up enough so I can uh get on, on, on TV for you. <laughs> that is so good. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> you take care, buddy. All right, have a good one.
0: Good luck and let's go A's. Jerry Blevins, long time left hander for the Oakland A's. And you just hear it right there. The love that uh A lot of these guys that went to battle in the green and gold, they will always love this franchise. It's the bottom line. Well, we'd like to thank Frankie Montas, Zach Logue, Fran Reardon, and Jerry Blevins for all stopping by A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio.
4: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.
2: Okay.